and I mean to Jesus be all the glory for the things he's about to do in your life and my life. And I pray today that what I will share with you will really affect your life for his glory. And dear Jesus, thank you for the privilege you've given us, Lord, to serve you. The privilege to know your word. The privilege to grow in you, Lord. We give you all the praise. And Lord, I pray today, meet that need in that life. Lord, your people are calling on you for miracles. That one who's watching me is believing for a miracle. Lord, grant that miracle in your precious, wonderful name, Jesus. And God's people said, Amen and Amen. I want to talk to you about the power of God, and I don't mean the anointing. I am talking about what Ephesians 1, what Paul wrote about in Ephesians 1, because I want to show you something about the power of God that maybe you've never looked at or thought about. So let's read Ephesians 1. I'm going to begin reading at verse 16, where Paul says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of, of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, this is a very powerful statement because this is not talking about the part of God in creation. This is talking about the part of God in transforming us into the image of Jesus. You know, when you look at um, Romans 1, 20, talks about the power that Paul talks about when it comes to creation, and he uses uh, quite remarkably these words. He says, for the invisible, I'm reading Romans 1, 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power, and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So when Paul talks about creation, he talks about his eternal power and Godhead. When he talks about what God is doing in our lives, in our lives, he, he is saying the exceeding greatness of his power. So when you look at the different words used in the Bible about the power of God, you'll see some amazing things. For example, in Exodus 13, verse 9, when the Lord spoke about bringing Israel out of Egypt, he spoke about how he brought them out with a strong hand, with a strong hand. But when it comes to our salvation, it's the arm of the Lord, not just his hand, but his arm. And that is found in Psalm. Let's just go together to Psalm 98. You know, I've never brought such a teaching to you before because you see the different uh, words that are used in the Bible about when God brought Israel out of Egypt, it's his strong hand, his mighty hand brought them out. When he created the world, it's his eternal power and Godhead. And when it comes to our salvation, it's his arm. Look with me at uh, Psalm 98, verse 1. O sing unto the Lord a new song, he hath done marvelous things, 
his right hand and his holy arm have gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness has he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy, his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth shall see the salvation, have seen the salvation of our God. And the salvation of our God is his son, Jesus. When it comes to our salvation, it is the exceeding greatness of his power. Because, because it takes more power to transform us into the image of Jesus than it took for creating the world. So this is not about the old creation. This is about the new creation. When it comes to the old creation, the world, or Adam, or humanity, we see eternal power. When it comes to you and I, the new creation, we see exceeding greatness of his power. So, you know, uh, these are thoughts I'm sure very few have really thought about when it comes to the power of God. And today I want to show you God's love for you that he would go so beyond what he did with creation to transform us. So to, to, to turn uh, the hearts of men from evil to good, from the world to the Lord himself, from sin to Jesus, takes exceeding great power. So to take the hearts of men, because the hearts of men are wicked to the core. And, and to take the heart of a man and take that evil heart and make it holy takes more power than creating the world. Or, or to take the, the world out of a heart and turn that heart towards God, that's power. Or, or to take a heart full of sin and turn that heart towards Jesus, that's great power. So in Ephesians 1, he talks about that, that, that power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Because if you go back to that amazing portion in Ephesians chapter 1, he begins to talk about the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the same power God uses in transforming you and I. Because he said, which he wrought in Christ, verse 20, the exceeding greatness of his power to us were to believe, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. So it took more power to raise Jesus from the dead and set him at God's right hand than the power it took to, to, to really create the world. So think about to, to put to death the lust of the flesh, like Colossians uh, talks about, to be crucified daily, like Jesus said we have to. to. To to give us a meek and gentle and patient heart. Uh, meaning to be Christ-like. Think about what kind of power it takes to turn us into Christ-likeness. Like to give us the likeness of the Lord, that we be like him in this world. To be meek, to be gentle, to be... To, to be patient, to be loving, to be kind. That's, that's a task that is beyond our power. We cannot change our hearts. We, we cannot change our hearts from being evil to being good or full of the world and now turning 
our hearts to God or full of sin, we turn our hearts to God. We cannot on our own change our own hearts. So, but our God is mighty in power, not only to save us, but to transform us. Now, now let's think about uh, the power it took to, to create the new creation from the old creation. We were all old creation because it says we're a new creature in Christ. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Uh, the, the old creation has passed away. Think about the power it took to, to, to deliver us from the old creation to the new creation. So we're not talking about the earth now. We're not talking about when God created Adam. We're talking about God creating a new creation in Christ Jesus that is being transformed daily. You and I are being transformed daily into the image of the Lord. More power to change you and I into the image of Jesus. It takes more power to change us into the image of Jesus than the power it took to create Adam. And, and, and here's why. Because Adam was created from dust unto dust, from dust unto dust. Think about it. He remained dust because God says, from dust you are, to dust you return. But think about the power it takes to take a piece of dust like you and I and transform that dust into the image of Jesus. That is a powerful thought. So Adam went from dust to dust. Or think about the world. I mean, God created the world out of nothing, out of nothing. The whole planet Earth came out of nothing. All the things we see around us came out of nothing. Okay, that took power, as Paul calls it in Romans 1.20, eternal power. But to transform us into the image of Jesus, that's not taking us out of nothing into something. That's not taking us from dust and we stay dust like Adam. That is taking us from dust and we are becoming literally like the Lord. We shall be like him as he is. That's incredible power. And what love is that? That God would choose a piece of dust and turn that dust into, into his child with his nature and his likeness. So our salvation that is an incredible miracle. It's more powerful than creating the world. It's more powerful than creating Adam or anything else. In fact, it's more powerful than creating angels. The new creation, you and I, are the greatest miracle we can talk about. The gospel, Jesus, I give you praise. Oh, Lord, we give you praise. Can we just lift our hands and thank him for this? We give you praise, Lord, for this. Who are we, Lord? Who are we? And who is our Father's house? That you should choose us to be your children. Wonderful Savior. 
Wonderful Jesus, to you be all the glory. Mana canta miente che I give you praise. We're told the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's in Romans. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and the Gentile. So the gospel is the instrument. The gospel is the instrument that God uses to accomplish his most wondrous, his most glorious work, our salvation. God's most wondrous, God's most glorious work is not the creation of the world. It's your salvation. Just remember, it, it cost him nothing to create the world. It cost him nothing to create angels. It cost him everything to save one soul. His life. He gave his life for our salvation. It cost him everything to save one soul. That's why I've always said that nothing is more precious in the sight of God than a human life. You are more precious to God than all the angels, than all creation, than heaven and earth. He has numbered your hair. Think about that one. I've asked people many times, and I'm going to ask you, do you love your children? You'll say, yes. Have you, have you ever, ever numbered their hair? No. But God has numbered our hair. Meaning we, we are of greater value than we realize. I'm talking to someone who needs to hear this because maybe you've been struggling with rejection. You are more valuable to the Lord than all creation. I'm talking to a lady. I'm, I know it in my heart. I'm talking to a lady that has had deep rejection in your life. God has accepted you in the beloved His Son. You are more valuable to God. You are more precious to the Lord Jesus than all the angels in heaven. God loves you with an everlasting love. That's what He says in Scripture. I have loved you with an everlasting love. He never said that to the angels. He says that to us. Think about that He would give His life to save you. He would, he would pour his blood. He would, the blood of Jesus was shed to rescue you from, from bondage and sin and darkness and death. You are more valuable to him than you'll ever know. That you'll ever know. He has set his heart on you. He has set his love on you because you are that important. And he cares about the minute details of your life. I'm talking to someone who needs to hear this. He cares about the minute details of your life, the very, the very details, the small details you don't even care about. He cares about them. That's how much he loves you. And the Bible tells us when, 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 when God, think, think about it, that when God took a wretched piece of dust, and he gave that piece of dust his divine nature. That is, like you have to think about this. In, 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 first, in 2 Peter, 
in second, you know, I'm, I'm just feeling the, I'm just really sensing the Lord talking about this. In second Peter 1, verse 4, it says, whereby, let, let's just read, let's just read um, verse 2, and on grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and God and godliness. This is the, the same exceeding great power mentioned in Ephesians. Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. I mean, Adam wasn't called to, to glory and virtue, but we are. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through us. So I think about, you know, imagine the, the, the power it took, the, the power it took for God to take a wretched piece of dust like me or anyone and gave that piece of dust his nature and more than that, in Colossians 1.12, it says that God Almighty, let's just go to it, because I want to show you God's plan for you. God's plan for you is incredible, like beyond, beyond explanation. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet, wow, or qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light and has delivered us from the power of darkness, has translated us into the kingdom of his son. That is an incredible power. And this is what Paul means in Ephesians 1, 19, the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. So I said it earlier, but I want to say it again. When God formed man out of the dust of the ground, he remained dust. But when he saved you, his purpose is to transform you. That is why we rejoice daily. The Christian life is not about, did you, you know, ever hear me tell the story of this lady who went to her pastor and she said, I'm bored. And he said, what are you bored with? Well, she said, it's the same songs you sing here and it's the same messages, it's the same altar calls, I'm bored. And this preacher said, what, what are you looking for? Oh, she said, I'm looking for joy. I'm looking for peace and the assurance of heaven. And the pastor said, what more do you want? That's a very foolish question, what more do you, do you want? The Christian life is way more than just joy and peace and the assurance of heaven. That's the beginning of the Christian life. The Christian life is about being transformed into the image of the Lord. That's the real Christian life. From glory to glory, we are changed. We are changed into his image. That's the beauty. That's the incredible miracle called Christianity. That God would change us into his image, his likeness. What, what other religion even mentions that? And Christianity is not a religion, it's a life. Life in Jesus. His purpose is to transform us into his image. 
Look, look at, at, at Romans 8.29. This is incredible, okay? Now, remember what I just said earlier, how, you know, Adam came out of dust and stayed the dust because the flesh is still dust. But for us, it's incredible. It says for, um, I'm reading Romans 8.29 and 30. For whom he did for no. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, he glorified. That is the word of God. That is our destination. Like 2 Corinthians 3.18 is our destination. Because it says in this beautiful portion, we all with open face beholding as in a glass, or the word of God, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image of the Lord from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. That is like, hold it, let's just think about this. That is God's purpose in saving you. That is God's plan. It's not about heaven, you know? It's way beyond heaven, way beyond heaven. Like that lady said, well, I want the assurance I'm going to make heaven. But Christian life is way more than that. It's becoming like the Lord. Just that, Lord, let this sink. Let this sink deeply in our hearts. Look, look at, uh, at Philippians 3 for a minute, verse 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3, 20. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like his glorious body, according to, to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And when we think about his glorious body, you, you have to, to, to remember what happened in the transfiguration. When the Lord was transfigured before them and he became uh, lit up, he, he, more brighter than the sun. He was brighter than bright, you know. His clothing became whiter than white. They saw his glory. What we have to understand is this is what he prayed for, that we will share that glory. I will that they whom thou hast given me. Be with me what I am, that they might behold my glory. And the glory you've given to me, I've given them, Jesus said. I've given them. That is our salvation. Listen, I'm going to continue tomorrow because it's, it's, it's too much to put all in one, one message like today. I want to continue tomorrow because there's so much more I want you to think about. Like, like what it took, what it took to convict the sinner of sin. I'm going to show you tomorrow the power it took God to convict you of sin. First, he regenerated us, meaning he brought our spirit back so we can be convicted. Regeneration means that the spirit of man that was dead had to come back to life to be convicted. You can't convict a dead man. You only can convict something alive in you. So we were regenerated. Our spirit had to come back uh, to be convicted. That's a whole teaching by itself. But, 
But the thing is, when, when, when you think about convicting the sinner of sin, the power it took is incredible. So tell your friends, I'm talking about the power of God. You know, people, when they talk about the power of God, they talk about the anointing, healing, deliverance, you know, what people feel. But Paul talks about that exceeding greatness of his power to us, which he wrought when he raised Jesus from the dead. And literally placing him at his right hand, far above all principalities and all power in the heavenlies. That is the power at work in your life. Let me pray with you. Lord, open their eyes, open their understanding. Lord, do what Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 for the church, for us, that we would see, Lord, beyond this world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you right now. You know what? Just let's lift your hands to heaven. I'm going to pray the same prayer that Paul prayed for the, for the church in Ephesus. So, Father, I pray you, the Father of glory, will give unto each one the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your Son, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling. Hallelujah. And what the riches of the glory of your inheritance is in them. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them who believe according to the working of your mighty power. We give you praise. Lord, take the scales off the eyes of your people. Let them see their value that you've placed upon them. And Lord, meet the needs today of your people and heal those who are in need of healing physically. And bring deliverance to those who need deliverance from the enemy and from sin. In Jesus' glorious name. All right, join me tomorrow, please, and tell your friends about this. And now it's time to sow seed in the work of the Lord because it's his, it's his command, it's his word, it's his loving command that we give him, we show him our love because every time we sow seed, we're saying, Lord, I love you. Lord, I worship you because it's also an act of worship. And if you're struggling today financially, there's only one way out of your, of your struggle financially. And that is when you give to the Lord's work. Because giving to the Lord's work, you know, enables you to come under an open heaven. Because God says when we give, he will open heaven and pour upon us a blessing that we cannot even contain. I've seen this work in my life for over 50 years. And I'll never forget dear Pastor David Story who came to me when I got saved, after I got saved, to tell him about the importance of tithing and giving. And I did not want to even hear it in those days. I was too young and didn't know much about the, the blessings that God wanted to, to bless me with. I just didn't realize that. Later, it was my own father-in-law, Roy Harvey, that really had to sit me down and talk to me real straight. He said, I will not, Larry, I will not allow anyone to marry my daughter who's, who's, who's not a giver. And Sue and I have been married now for a long time. And I'll never forget that when Roy says, if you're not a giver, you're not going to marry my, my daughter. And he was right. Because giving means 
God will keep blessing you and blessing your family, blessing your children, your grandchildren. When people do not give, they die. Like the Dead Sea is dead because it doesn't give anything. So when we give, we live. When we keep, there's no life there. So Lord, bless them as they give in the name of Jesus. Meet every need, meet every need in their life, Lord, that they will prosper and see abundance in their future and their family's future. In Jesus' glorious name. And God's people said, Amen. All right, let's give right now. On the platform you're watching me on, you can go to our website, benahin.org. You can text BHM45777. And please share this teaching with your friend because I think it will help them understand how much God loves them. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. It's going to be even more powerful tomorrow than today, I'll tell you. Okay, I'll see you.